meet you all in Jesus' name this morning. It's a blessing to again be together. It's an extra blessing to be together for the special purpose, the reason to come together and to remember what Christ has done for me, for each one of us. We just had our communion service at our home congregation last Sunday, special time to be together, and I I view it as a, a healthy time in our congregation when we, we come together, we have our council together, we study our lives and prepare our hearts for, for communion. We study our relationship with our brothers and our sisters. And then, after that, we come and we remember what Christ has done. So just a note for for this evening before I get into the message. I'm going to open it up again, beginning of the message this evening, for a time of sharing, time of testimony. Um giving you a heads up ahead of time so that not springing any surprises. Um, I believe it's important that we, we as a brotherhood, we share together, share what God is doing in our lives. Um, so this morning I would like to spend some time focusing on the time leading up to Christ's arrest in the garden, time that he was taken um, at looking at the Last Supper, and then also the time in the garden. Uh, so you can turn with me to Mark chapter 14. And some of the reason I want to look at this is because this was when Christ was preparing himself for communion, in a sense. Um, Mark chapter 14, verse 12. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall, ye, there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will shew you a large upper room furnished and prepared, there make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city, and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening, he cometh with the twelve. So Jesus sent his disciples to meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. And it would appear that that man carrying the pitcher of water did not know that he was going to be meeting them. It was, 
it was a, going to say a divine arrangement. Um, show you the room, prepare the Passover there. The Passover was a time that the Jews had set aside to remember the first Passover in Egypt. I'm just going to turn back to the book of Exodus and read a few verses from Exodus chapter 12 just to refresh our, remem- our memory on what the Passover was. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 in Exodus chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Next verse is important. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So they were to kill the lamb, take the blood from that lamb, the side posts of the door, the top post of the door, put the blood of this lamb on it, and then eat, eat the lamb. Drop down to verse 11. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hands, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord." And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So we no longer observe the Passover as the Jews did with killing a physical lamb here. Instead, we have something better. Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, He shed His blood for my sins, for the sins of the whole world. In verse 11, it says, Ye shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. They were supposed to be prepared for deliverance. When they observed the Passover, They had been in bondage for how many years? They were stuck there as slaves. They were being forced to work. They were being beaten. But yet, God was asking them to have faith that deliverance is coming. Be ready right now. Be prepared to go right now. The death angel will come. But the blood has been, has been applied to the door. When the angel sees that blood, he will pass over. And I think, just thinking about, as we observe communion, it's a time when our hearts are prepared, where we are remembering what Christ has done, but also in a sense, we're humbling ourselves before Christ, 
But also we're ready to go. We're ready to meet him. We have our staffs in our hand. We're just waiting for him to come. Take us to be with him. And because his blood has been applied to our lives, we don't have to fear death. The death angel is no fear to us. And we're holding our communion service this morning in commemoration of that. And to remember that Christ died, his blood has covered us, his blood has cleansed us, and we are ready. We're ready. Verse 18, it back to back to Mark chapter 14 again in verse 18. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray him. And they began to be sorrowful, and to say unto him, One by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. I can only imagine how Jesus felt. He was eating for the last time with the disciples, the 12 disciples that he loved. He loved them dearly. He had poured, going to say, his life into them. And then he said, one of you will betray me. And naturally, the disciples wondered, who is it? Which one? And as I looked at this, I noticed what question. They must have had a lot of confidence in each other. There must have been a united brotherhood among the disciples. Because they asked the question, is it I? They didn't ask, is it him? Each of them apparently did not see their brother as one that was going to betray Christ. They believed in each other. And I believe that's important for us this morning. Not to be asking if my brother is ready to observe communion, but instead, is it I? This should be our approach to misunderstandings in a brotherhood. Is it I? Can you imagine how Jesus felt when he said this? Verse 22, And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. This is the Last Supper. And I'd just like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where we are reminded again to observe this together as a brotherhood, as a church. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 and this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. Verse 23, 
For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner he also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do shew the Lord's death till he come. The reminder for us to hold the communion service together. To remember what Christ has done. To remember his suffering. His, the bread. The symbol of his broken body. The, the cup. In remembrance of the blood. That he shed. Back in Mark 14. Verse 27. And Jesus saith unto them. All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written. I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen. I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter saith unto him. Although all shall be offended. Yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him. Verily I say unto thee. That this day even in this night. Before the cock crow twice. You, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spoke the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Each of them committed themselves to Christ. They said, We won't deny you. Each of us, as we commit our lives to Christ, we're committing to not denying Christ. How well did the disciples do? How am I doing? Verse 32. And this is the, the part of, that I would really like to focus in on this morning. Is Jesus' time in the garden. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. So Jesus took the three men, the three brothers that he was closest to. He took them with him and asked them to watch, to pray. It says, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. If you read the account in Luke, Luke's account, verse, chapter 22, verse 44, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. It was not an easy thing for Christ to come to the place where he was prepared to go to the cross. It says he was in great agony, in great distress. Verse 35, And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. 
If things, all things are possible unto thee. Jesus knew that God, nothing was impossible with God. And he knew that God could change what was about to happen. God could take that away. It was within his power. And he says, if it's possible, take it away from me. Take this suffering away that I don't have to face it. But the, the end of the, what Jesus said at the end is what really we need to apply to our lives. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. He ended, not my will, but thy will be done. When we pray, there are times when we pray where we feel there's only one answer. God, there's, there's only one solution to the problem that I'm facing. Whether it's a health issue, whether it's someone that's going astray, whatever it is, where we feel that for the good of me, for the good of this person, God, there's only one thing that can be right. But yet, just as here, we need to pray, Thy will be done. Jesus was obviously in great agony. Sweat, as it were, drops of blood. The struggle was real, but I believe the battle was won there in the garden when he surrendered his own will to the will of the Father. Because as we read through the crucifixion account, I'm not going to do that this morning, but as we read through that, I've never seen anywhere where Christ hesitated. I've never seen where he tried to get away from what was before him. And I don't believe he did. He didn't flinch to face the suffering, the death. When he was accused, he didn't deny. He didn't try to make a case for himself. He willingly suffered. He willingly died. And I believe the same is true for me personally. If I struggle through the tough things, if I give them to God, whatever it is, whether it's temptations, whether it's a, a tough situation, interpersonal relationships, whatever it is, if we can struggle through this when it's a one-on-one -on -one time with God, and in that, surrender it to God, say, not my will, but thy will, I believe he will be with us in the same way, we will have the strength in the same way that Christ faced his death when we're totally surrendered to God's will, I'm able to stand with God's help if I've already given it to him. God uses the hard things in life 
times that require total surrender, the times that require us to say, just as Jesus did, not my will, but thy will, God uses that to make me who he wants me to be for him. There's a poem I heard recently, it's author unknown, and it just really touched me in thinking about, not my will, but thy will be done. When God wants to drill a man, and thrill a man, and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man, that all the world shall be amazed, Watch his methods. Watch his ways. How he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects. How he hammers him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay which only God understands while his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands. How he bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes. How he uses whom he chooses and with every purpose fuses him by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. So in the same way that Christ said, not my will, but thy will be done, may we also live in that way. Verse 37, And he cometh and findeth them sleeping and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst thou not watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Could ye not watch with me one hour? Could ye not see the distress that I'm in? But am I ever guilty of not out watching for one hour? Are there times when I'm needed to watch and to pray, and instead I'm sleeping? either physically or spiritually. Or the waiting part, how about when the Spirit is asking me to wait in the still small voice? But yet, I'm so busy making plans, so busy making them happen, that I never hear, watch and wait. What can I do so that I'm prepared to watch and wait? When is the time to watch and wait, and when is the time for action? And I believe the closer we are to God, the more clearly we will hear his voice speak. He will tell us when to watch and wait. He will tell us when to act. As I said earlier, I believe the battle was won in the garden. The struggle was in the past when Christ submitted to the will of the Father. He was fully committed to the end. I'm going to read some verses from Luke 23. Luke chapter 23, verse 44. This was after the torture that Jesus experienced. He was hanging on the cross. He willingly allowed himself He knew that he could have called 10,000 angels to come and deliver him. Those Roman soldiers, the Jews, they wouldn't have stood a chance. They could have done absolutely nothing 
to keep him. But he willingly submitted. He was committed to the end, and we find this. Luke chapter 23, verse 44. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. The darkness in the middle of the day, the veil of the temple being rent, marvelous acts of God. And when Jesus cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. As we think about the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross, willingly giving his life when he had it within his power to just walk away from it, he willingly, he willingly said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He submitted his will to the will of his Father in the garden. This submission continued until the time of his death when he said, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. The reason for this sacrifice, the reason for his submission to the will of his Father was to fulfill the plan of redemption. Salvation was made a reality for me and for you because of Christ. And Christ did much more than just take my place on that cross. I deserve to be on that cross. He did much more than just take my place. Because if I would have died on that cross, I would have still been lost. If I would have died on that cross, I would have still spent eternity in hell. But because Christ died on the cross for my sins, I have eternal life. Christ's death not only saved me, Christ's death gave me eternal life with him. This is something that my death could not do. So may this be an example to us as we submit our bodies, a living sacrifice. We talked about this earlier this week. So we give our lives as a living sacrifice to God. May I say, as Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. May I surrender my will, my life, to the will of my Father and live in surrender, not only in my life, but also in face of death. So as we take part in the communion service this morning let us remember Christ's love and how he showed that love to us through his willingness to suffer through his willingness to die through his willingness to submit his will to the will of the Father as we take the bread as we take the cup May we remember the intense anguish that Christ experienced in the garden and then the pain that he felt as he took my sins, as he died for my sins. And most importantly, may I remember that because of Christ's death, 
because of his resurrection, I now no longer have to fear suffering and death. Instead, I can now anticipate spending eternity with Christ, eternity with the Father, because he has gone to prepare a glorious place for each of us that accepts that gift. May we pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Jesus, for making a way that we no longer have any need to fear death. And Jesus, thank you for being willing to suffer and die, to make a way that each of us can have hope of eternal life, that each of us can have eternal life, and Lord, may each of us give our bodies a living sacrifice. May each of us live in a way that says, not my will, but thy will be done. And Lord, as we observe the communion service this morning, as we take part of the communion service, help us to remember, as we take the bread, help us to remember your broken body, the pain that you endured, we take the cup to remember the blood that you shed. So that I could have eternal life. So that each of us can have hope of life with you in glory. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless.